Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Zach Teutsch. Zach, are you ready to do this? Let's do it, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Zach is the founder and CEO of Values Added Financial, an organization helping progressives build thoughtful, prosperous, impactful financial lives. I'm excited to have you on. Zach, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thanks for asking, George. So I love helping people make the sorts of financial decisions that help them live fulfilling, meaningful lives. And I find it extraordinarily meaningful myself to be able to help folks through those sorts of transformative processes um, and also be really good stewards. And in some cases, not have to worry about money anymore. That's what we're always aiming towards. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. with my partner, Becca, and our two kids. Um, Before I launched Values Added Financial, I did financial coaching as well as leading large financial skills training and literacy programs for unions and then for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Nice. You, uh, I think that at least it appears to me that you have extremely unique background in in doing these financial literacy skills training for enormous numbers of people. So I'd, I'd love to hear just how you got involved with that. Um, and I guess take that into, there's an awful lot of talk about financial wellness and financial literacy today as well. So just get your take on that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So when I graduated from college, um, I knew that I wanted to work uh, on economic justice issues, so I came here in D. I came to D.C. to work with the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, a a very big union, Uh, and I worked in their capital stewardship program, uh, which worked on policy and financial matters um, for our members' retirement security pension funds. So SEIU members, at least at that time. Um, were parts of pension funds worth one and a half trillion dollars. So it's really important to understand those issues. Then um, I worked there for a few years and another big public sector union, AFSCME, uh, the American Federation of State County Municipal Employees, was had just figured out a, a really interesting, dynamic, creative, um, really serious economic justice advocate, Rich Ferlato, was on staff at AFSCME, and he figured out that the FINRA Investor Education Foundation um, was open to making grants to large-scale organizations who could do member-focused financial education. So he raised some money, he hired me, and we built a national program that was the first of its kind um, for a union. So we, well, I went around the country at first meeting with janitors and assistant district attorneys and nurses and prison guards um, and water sanitation engineers and um, and people who do actual you know waste removal so um, actually asked me was the union that Martin Luther King was working with um, on a sanitation strike that's what he was doing in Memphis when he got killed so asked me does great work 
um, with a really strong economic and and uh, racial justice lens. So I plugged into it. I went all over the country. Then eventually, um, I was training trainers, uh, and then um, through that work, we reached hundreds of thousands of union members to help them build their financial skills. Um, and then uh, I that had been so successful that a lot of other unions wanted to become involved. So I set up a joint program with the National Labor College and the AFL-CIO Office of Investment. And I worked as a faculty member at the National Labor College and also um, in the AFL-CIO Office of Investment. And with the support of AFSCME and the AFL and the National Labor College, lots of other unions joined the program. And, um, and we worked with the building trades, building and construction trades and uh, made tremendous progress and re reached lots more union members and helped people learn financial skills. Uh, and then eventually um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was founded and I went over there and I worked in the, eventually in the Office of Financial Empowerment um, where I helped the Your Money, Your Goals uh, curriculum and other programs um, increase their scope and, and effectiveness. And I uh, was really blessed um, to be working with and for some incredibly talented uh, people. And, and that office had a huge effect. And eventually, um, Your Money, Your Goals was reaching approximately a million people per year. Wow. It's incredible. So how, how were, were these programs so successful? Where, where maybe other, I mean, because it's 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 not from lack of info, or, or perhaps it is. Um, I'll just just let you answer the question. How how were these programs so successful? Yeah. So early when I was doing this work, um, Robert Gannum, who was a program officer at the Finra Investor Education Foundation, said something to me that I've that has that really influenced my thinking then, and I think about often, um, which is that. The problem with financial empowerment education and financial literacy and those sorts of things isn't that there isn't enough good curricular material out there. It's mostly um, that people haven't developed the right channels to help it reach people. Um, so a lot of what we did um, in the labor-based programs was not reinvent the wheel. It was really focused on how to use our existing relationships and channels to get the material out there and how to do it through trusted relationships. And that was also a big part of how we operated at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is that uh, your money, your goals is not a direct to um, consumer program. It's not targeting uh, everyday Americans directly. Uh, it was designed to work and to fill an existing need, which is that there are a huge number of social service professionals, think social workers, who um, see clients often, and those clients have financial needs and challenges, and their social service professional doesn't have the training to know how to help them. And Your Money, Your Goals was built to be a toolkit for those folks to help them understand how to have those conversations and not to be a financial expert, but how to how to point clients in the right direction. 
Um, and it really started by understanding that there was a tremendous need for these types of professionals. Um, and it meant that when certain uh, social service systems came on board, there was huge scale and a huge ability to reach um, people who really needed the help. And that's a pretty different – a lot of people who are getting into financial literacy actually think there's a different problem, which is that their unique perspective and ability to have just the right analogy to explain an emergency <laughs> fund is is the problem. And that's actually not the problem. Right. You know, the problem isn't a lack of ways to explain an emergency fund. The, the problem is that um, – you will see over the course of the day hundreds of appeals to spend money through various kinds of advertisements. And depending on how you count them and how much you're on the internet, uh, it might be thousands. And you most days won't get a single um, message about the importance of an emergency fund because people who are selling things are very, very effective at getting their message out there and convincing people to buy. And uh, financial literacy um, – has a much harder path to travel because there just aren't the same kind of resources. Um, there are hundreds of times as much spending on trying to get people to do um, harmful financial behaviors as as healthy ones, and it's it's probably thousands of times more. So it's actually a structural challenge to get the message out there. It's not really a question of how effective the message is. It's about is it reaching the people who need it and what can we do to turn up the volume in a noisy environment? Got it. Well, that, that, I think that that definitely makes sense. So how is this, how, how has that past experience informed your current practice? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I loved being able to help people, uh, learn financial skills. Um, and I tremendously enjoyed the time I spent in union locals and, um, and and sitting with union members and talking about what strategies have been successful in their lives. But um, eventually that wasn't what I was doing anymore. And most of what I was doing was looking at spreadsheets and trying to create national scale. So um, I learned a lot from that, which is by having a lot of conversations and learning how people tend to think and talk about money and under different circumstances, it meant that when I um, became more focused on individual one-on-one -on -one client experiences, I had talked to uh, thousands of people before, whereas most people who get involved in the work for the first time have, you know, maybe talked to dozens of people before. So that was a big advantage. And I spent a lot of time doing financial coaching before I became a registered investment advisor, which meant that um, I would talk to people about cash flow and talk to people about investment principles generally before I just would give them a plan. And or sorry, let me say it differently. As a coach, you can't actually just tell people what investments they should invest in. So I got a lot of practice listening to people and helping understand how various kinds of investment information would fit into their lives. And that was a big advantage too. Um, but the biggest advantage actually is that it means that when I want to um, reach a wider set of people, um, I can often do that because I really enjoy writing and teaching about financial skills and financial topics. So for instance, um, last week I wrote a piece for Vox about emergency funds and I love doing that kind of thing. And that'll reach way more people than I could ever reach in my, in a lifetime of work in a registered investment advisory context. And I love being able to help people at scale. And I also love being able to talk to people individually 
as clients. And that's some of the, I mean, that's just incredibly meaningful work to me. And it's often can make a big difference in clients' lives too. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Well, what you said about sort of the fact that, that we're being constantly bombarded by highly trained professionals and highly, highly, uh, uh, and, and professional marketers with 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 really deep bank accounts and pockets to to message us about buying things and consuming, but we receive exponentially less uh, messages on a daily basis about responsible financial behavior. How do you how how do you help clients sort of understand that it's just a matter of hey you know just just be aware of this? Mm, no, I think it actually is really helpful, George, to dig deeper into it. So, for instance, when I talk to people about credit cards, a lot of folks think their credit card limit or how much credit they'll be offered um, is a good way to understand how much credit they should accept and use, Um, which is premised on the idea that the credit card company is either neutral or acting in their best interest. And it's really helpful to sit down with folks and say, how does a credit card company make money? And credit card companies, as you, as you and your listeners may now charge interchange fees to uh, merchants, and those roughly offset the, um, you know, the benefits and costs of operating and stuff. And a huge amount of their profits, or depending on which study you look at, possibly all of them, come from finance charges. And individual clients don't want to pay finance charges. So they realize that the credit card company is totally opposite, has opposite interests to theirs. The credit card company is trying to get them to pay finance charges and they're trying not to. Um, And it's a really tricky situation because the client, as anybody in our world, has limited experience trying to figure out how to outsmart a credit card company. And the credit card companies have enormous large teams of marketers and psychologists and economists and finance people and advertising researchers and persuasion experts who are all working um, across the data from, you know, depending on the firm, thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to try to figure out how to get individual consumers to make the wrong decision. And I think it really helps people to stop and think about it in that level of detail. To, and it, in my experience, tends to provide a lot of extra skepticism um, and a lot of extra um, focus. And it makes it much easier for them to make good decisions when they understand the broader context. I think that that definitely makes sense. Um well, I love the name of your firm, Values Added Financial, um, and I have to imagine that that is you, that you named it for for a reason. Um, give us if if you could really instill in 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 everyone a, a just sort of sort of a core idea. Of, perhaps it's being a good steward with money, or what really really what would that be from from your perspective? Yeah, our job as a firm is to help people live fulfilling lives. And I think a lot of um, advisors implicitly or explicitly put making the portfolio as big as possible the center of the plan. And for us, it's got to be putting a client's goals, vision, and values at the center of the plan. 
because if the financial plan isn't delivering on helping them be who they really want to be in the world now and in the future, um, it's not doing everything it should be. So that's what we do at our firm. We start by understanding a client's vision about what they uh, and, and their family, if they have family, want out of life. And then our job is to help structure their financial investments, tax, and other kinds of decisions to support them realizing that vision. Nice. Nice. I love it. Well, Zach, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, you know, we haven't talked about it too much yet, although I'm a member of the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners, which is a a group of fee-only fiduciary advisors. And we um, really think it's important to think about tax issues and tax planning. And there just is not a lot of, you know, what technical experts call alpha available in investing. You know, most investors will just do roughly as well as the market as a whole. And the ones who do better will offset the ones who do lo- who do worse. And there's just not a lot of uh, not a lot of excess benefit to be gained uh, through investments. In investments, it's better to do the low cost, reasonable, diversified strategy that you know John Bogle was one of the early advocates for. Um, so that most people know by now. What most people don't think about is that there really is an extraordinary amount of alpha available if you understand taxes and make good tax decisions, especially around investments. Um, so that's the general, that's the general point I want to make is it's really important for your investments to be lined up with your values. And if you want to have excess additional returns, it's really good to understand the tax issues. And that sometimes means that it's useful to talk to uh, a professional who either is a tax informed financial planner or a really good um, tax planning accountant, but it also means you've got to really be proactive and know what questions to ask. So I think the best option um, for people is to really find a tax informed fiduciary financial advisor to help them think about that. And and a good one will usually be able to produce way more than their fee. So, but actually there's a lot of people out there who want to, who want to do this themselves. Um, and really get engaged. So, you know, one of the issues we're seeing more and more these days um, is um, understanding how the qualified business income deduction works and the implications for being a contractor versus an employee. That's one thing I would start looking at. Um, Another uh, topic that we see all the time um, is people don't put the right kind of investments in the right kind of accounts. So like, If you can, most people should probably be maxing out different kinds of retirement accounts, but actually you invest a retirement account in a slightly different way than, uh, than a non-retirement investment account and even Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs and 401ks, uh, should be invested somewhat differently. And we don't have quite enough time to, to detail the, the mechanics, um, of how that works, but it's really important to know that it's a really important driver of long-term investment and and income results to be really thinking about it in terms of tax and taxation because that's where most of the alpha that's available to advisors and investors alike is. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. And Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? 
Oh, yeah. So I'm so glad you asked, George. Um, if people want to learn more about Values Added in the work we do, you can go to valuesaddedfinancial.com. Um, just note that there's an S at the end of values because we're talking about people's values. So valuesaddedfinancial.com. And I think the kinds of people who might be interested um, are potential clients. We um, offer unusually comprehensive and deep service uh, at attractive rates. So um, we're still accepting clients, although we have a bit of a wait list. Um, but we love working with people and we especially love working with people who want to align their progressive worldview with tough financial questions um, and, and even not so tough financial questions. So that's for people who might like to work with us. People who um, are more do-it-yourselfers um, you know, might appreciate reading some of the stuff we've, we've put out there. It's all free. Um, and then lastly, um, there might be listeners who are interested in getting more engaged um, in the industry. And we're, we're not hiring right now, but we may well hire in the future. Um, we are just bringing somebody on now. So if the idea of helping individuals with their lives and, and helping lead with their values, goals, um, and life priorities uh, is exciting, you know, uh, to you, definitely reach out to me. And uh, if it seems like uh, it might be a good fit, we will um, reach out to you when we have opportunities. Or if it seems like it's an extraordinary fit, you know, maybe we can even be creative about figuring out how that might work. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jack your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to valuesaddedfinancial.com and check out all the great stuff that they've got going on. Thank you again, Zach. Awesome. Thanks so much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.